It is a new year, and uh, always, obviously, in the scheme of, of history and outside of time where God exists, uh, there, there isn't new years and crossovers. That's kind of something that we've uh, put in in a calendar, but it is a great uh, time for us to just reconsider. Oftentimes, we have a bit of a break at this time of year, and we get to look forward at the year ahead, and that uh, whether it's kind of a reset, just a retuning, a revisioning, and uh, and even for us as a church community, we're wanting to just to clarify some things about really who we are, and in particular, why why do we gather? What is the point of us getting together on on a Sunday morning uh, to to kind of hang out together? And uh, and there's Three particular areas that I want to share with you this morning that I feel like are key uh, reasons to gather for us as a community. Obviously, we don't need to gather in, in one building at one time. We could gather in homes all over the city. We could just do things online. There's lots of a multitude of options uh, that we could engage with. But I think there is something of a blessing of us being present with one another. I think we live in a culture and an environment that is, is quite disconnected, um, particularly when it comes to, uh, to online kind of engagement with the world. And we can kind of feel connected. Uh, we actually went down to uh, Bustleton for uh, for a little break, and we stayed uh, with, just with a group of people that uh, they're like old friends of mine, people that I used to do ministry with, like at our old church many many years ago, like maybe like 15 years ago. Uh, some of these people I was in church with them, and really haven't seen them probably in that amount of time. And uh, and so, but we we came along, and they were all at the campsite at the same time. And uh, but it was funny because it's kind of like oh, I knew what was happening in most of their lives even though I haven't seen them in person for like 15 years because of social media, Facebook, oh, so this happened and this happened, you kind of feel connected, but it's not quite the same as being in the presence with someone uh, and engaging. And it's certainly very different when it comes to uh, gathering with God and with one another in this place. But I believe there's three intentional reasons for us as a community as to why we would gather together on a Sunday morning. And those three things are, there are three E's, just because I like alliterations, uh, and that is encounter, equip, and engage. Encounter, equip, and engage. Easy to remember? Yeah? So what is it? Well done. Look at that. Give yourself a pat on the back. It's easy to remember. So our heart is that this place... And, and again, not just this little building here, uh, but this whole property would be a place of encounter, a place where people can encounter the reality of God. Our heart and our longing, and I believe it's God's heart and God's longing, is that He would have a place where we could come and encounter Him. Now, if you've been spent any time in this community, uh, you know that our heart is to be a people of on mission and a people out there in the world, bringing the kingdom of God into every place every sphere of society, that's the model that Jesus set up for us. So we are all about what happens out there, but we don't wanna be all about what happens out there and neglect all the great things that God does in here when we gather together as well. Not just for us, but for the sake of others. So again, when you think of a Sunday morning, you might be going, oh, look, sometimes I get something out of it. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. But I really wanna encourage you to consider that maybe it's not all about you. 
You know, there might, yeah, I know, it's a shock. <laughs> um, but actually, when you come and you gather together with God's people, God might have something for you to give, not just something for you to receive. I would actually hope that as we mature as followers of Jesus, we would understand that we actually have far more to give than we do to receive. Because we actually have received all things in Christ. We've, we've received the greatest gift of all in Him. And we actually have so much to give away. Now, again, sometimes in the church and, and even here, like there are people who would be considered leaders, who would uh, lead things, move things forward, um, might be gifted and appointed and anointed by God in particular areas. But we're not wanting to have it all done like by the professionals or by the leaders. Every single one of you has something to offer. You might not realize it. You might not have considered that, but we need you as well. This community needs you to be outputting what God has given you to us. Now, it might be something simple as a word of encouragement. It's a handshake. It's a smile. It's a, hey, let's grab a coffee together. It's a prayer. Whatever it is, it could be a prophetic word that God gives to you. It could just be you being in the room interceding on behalf of other people. It is a gift that you carry, that you have to give. And this is, we want this to be a place where everybody is putting in and sowing in. Our heart is that this place would be a place where, where people encounter the manifest presence of God. Now we know that God is omnipresent, which means he is present everywhere, all over the earth, all at the same time. But there are times, as there have been in history, in my life I've experienced, where God shows up in a particular way, in a spectacular way. And he reveals himself to people, even in the natural. And this happens through signs, wonders, and miracles. So as we talk about being a place of encounter, we want this place to be a place where there's signs, wonders, and miracles. Where people are getting healed, emotionally, mentally, physically, in every particular way where people are encountering the reality of God. Now, I mean, I, I'm not talking so much about like sparkly things in the air. Like that's cool as well. Haze and smoke. I like that sort of stuff just because it's just kind of cool stuff. But we're talking about people being impacted by the reality of God. And it's interesting because I think some people, when it comes to what happens on a Sunday, sometimes we can think, well, we actually need to maybe diminish the supernatural parts of God to make the kingdom more accessible to the world. All that kind of supernatural spiritual stuff, they kind of like can freak people out and can be all a bit weird. And so we need to do less of that and just try and make it really normal for people who don't know Jesus, who aren't into the kind of supernatural stuff. I wonder whether it actually has the opposite effect on people's lives. The kingdom of God is supernatural. Jesus made it very clear, my kingdom is not of this world. The disciples even were expecting an earthly kingdom. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, he would demonstrate the kingdom of God. And what did that look like? Signs, wonders, and miracles. So he spoke about a reality that was outside of their natural reality. And he demonstrated that reality. But if the kingdom of God is supernatural, if we shut down the supernatural, we can also shut the door of access to his kingdom for other people. So when I talk about being a place of encounter and, and, and expectation that people would come in and encounter God in this place, I'm not saying, hey, let's make it really, really comfortable for people who don't know Jesus. 
I'm okay with uncomfortableness if God is here. If we're just being a bunch of weirdos, well, that's not cool. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about when God manifests, when there's signs, wonders, and miracles, when there's prophecy, when those things are flowing in this place. The Apostle Paul even spoke of in 1 Corinthians. So if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, a whole uh, kind of overview of the graces of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit in the community of God. But he talks about prophecy and tongues. And the, obviously speaking in tongues, the gift of tongues. And Paul's not saying, don't speak in tongues. Paul's saying, when you've got to consider that people might be in the gathering that don't know me, that don't know Jesus. Okay, So when you're Whatever you're doing, let it be something that people can engage and have understanding. So that's why it says prophesy. If the voice of God is going to be released in a place, don't let it be in tongues as much as let it be in prophecy, unless there's someone to interpret. So if you've got someone who can interpret speaking in tongues, the Apostle Paul's like, go for it. And maybe just a few of you do it, Okay. But even more so is to prophesy because then somebody who is an unbeliever can come in and they can have an understanding as to what God is saying. Now, there might be times where we might do that from the front on the microphone, but any time you feel a prompting to say, I feel like God's speaking to me about this other person. I don't know this person. Maybe you do know them. We just encourage you, just go and release that word. Now, again, you might go, oh, but what if it's not the right word? And what if, you know, what if this person who's coming to talk to me, I don't really know or I don't really trust? That's okay. You can flush away prophetic words. You don't have to receive a word from God or a word from a person. You want to receive it from God, you know what I'm saying? But you don't have to. So what we want is actually for the community to mature in a way that you're responsible for whether you receive or reject a prophetic word. Okay. What we don't want is for everyone to go, I'm just going to wait till I get the most perfect prophetic word and I know it's 100% from God and then I'll go and share it with someone. I'll let you in on a little secret that never happens. I don't know, it's never happened to me. I don't know if it ever happens to anyone. There's always an element of the unknown in that. We want to be a place where that prophetic is flowing, where signs, wonders and miracles are flowing and people are going, wow, God is real because I felt him in that place. God is real because somebody came up to me who I didn't know and they knew everything about my life through a word of knowledge. Wow, God must be real. Where I came in and I had a broken leg and I left without a broken leg because somebody prayed for me in the name of Jesus and I got healed. I think that's what the world wants and needs to see of Christianity. I think they've seen too much of our opinion on things and our perspective on things and our judgment towards evil things and they haven't actually seen a demonstration and a manifestation of the reality of the kingdom of God. When Jesus came into the earth, he brought with him the reality of God's kingdom and that's what he desires to see manifest. If Jesus did it, it's good enough for us to do it. And as we look at the history of God's manifest engagement with humanity, we can see a distinctive difference between the intentionality of God in the Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant on the Old Testament, versus under the New Covenant in the New Testament, a different way of God revealing Himself and why He revealed Himself. So, majoritively, in the Old Testament, when we look at God revealing Himself, the, the point of God revealing Himself was to reveal His covenant with the people of Israel. So he made himself known 
to the people of Israel to confirm to them that God is their God and they are his people. So we see that in the wilderness, God showed up miraculously in provision. But it was all around God revealing how faithful he is and that he had a covenant with those people. God would show himself to be their God. He would bless them and would protect them. When we shift into the new covenant, God makes his presence known in order to reveal himself, not just to his covenant people, but to reveal himself to the world. Jesus preached the message about God's kingdom and then he also presented the reality of God's kingdom through signs, wonders, miracles, through the manifestation of the reality of God. And then after Jesus ascended to heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in his people, these signs, wonders and miracles continued. So it wasn't just Jesus doing it. He actually then trained up his disciples and said, now you go and do this same thing. And that's us that's continued on. So we are then called to be the same as, and do the same works that Jesus did. So he sends his Holy Spirit and they continue just through the lives of ordinary everyday people in ordinary everyday encounters, these signs, wonders and miracles would break out. So the manifestation of God's kingdom is an invitation into his family. So I believe that even as we start to live more intentionally on mission for God, reaching out, evangelizing, connecting with our neighbors, our friends, our work colleagues, inviting people into a discipleship relationship with Jesus and then inviting them into this place. My expectation is that signs, wonders and miracles, the manifest presence of God is going to break out because God is like, I can show myself now to these people. I wanna show myself to the world. I wanna reveal myself to the world. But I think if we all gather around going, oh God, show us yourself again, I'm not sure that that's the intention of why God would reveal himself. Now he does and God shows up and it's wonderful and amazing. But I think for us, it's we can become so greedy with the presence of God and, and we're not generous enough with the presence of God. We become like, oh, we just want more and more of God. And I want more of you, Lord. We want more of you, Jesus, and more and more and more. And I wonder, maybe, and I feel like I can see it in the Scriptures, that God's like, I've given all of myself to you. So I don't, when you're crying out for more, more of what? If you have all of me, how can you have more of me when you have all of me? And maybe if you actually said, Lord, can I give away that we start to actually experience the reality of God through that flow, even as Jesus is walking through a crowd and somebody reaches out, they are desperate to encounter the reality of God. And this woman touches the robe of Jesus and he feels the power go out from him. Somebody just touched me. Now he was in a crowd of people, hundreds of people would have been touching him, but there was one person who touched with the intentionality to draw from him to receive what Jesus had and he felt it go out. And I know for me, there's something I love to experience the presence of God in worship and receive it just between me and God. But there's also something of the amazing reality that when I pray for other people, I also experience the presence of God, sometimes in an even more powerful way. Because for me, I think that's what God's, the intention of his manifestation is that people would know him and would be an invitation into encounter and family. So that people would encounter the reality of God, but they'd also encounter God's family through welcome hospitality connection. 
that this would be a place of hospitality, be a place of welcome, be a place of connection. And again, it's really hard to do that when you're not here. It's really hard to connect with people when you're not here. It's really hard to disciple people when you're not here. It's really hard to pray and intercede in the same way when you're not here. It's really hard to lay hands on someone when you're not here. And again, we've never been like, you must come or you're going to, you know, God's going to strike you down if you're not here every Sunday. We're not about that. But it's like, but we are here and there is opportunity. And would you be willing to set apart a couple of hours in a week to come and maybe only for the sake of others, pour out and bless and connect and receive and talk to somebody who's new, pray for somebody who's, who needs healing? Like, would you be willing to cost yourself in that way? And I feel like for me, I mean, that cost is small comparative to what Jesus has done, comparative even to our week. And then it's also to go out every other day and live in that way. But there's something of when we gather together that those things flow. So as we live on mission, invite people into that discipleship journey with Jesus and into relationship with God's family, I do believe we'll see an increase of God's manifest presence in this place. Even the prophetic words, I, was, I felt prompted to listen to some prophetic words that have been spoken over me or over this church just the other day. And there are two, um, two that I listened to, but they both spoke of the manifest presence of God, like the fire of God coming upon the place that we gather. And people will see that and they'll be drawn to that place because of the fire of God on this place. They'll be drawn there because they'll see the manifestation of God. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned about supernatural things happening and breaking out because I really do believe that that's what actually draws people in. They're like, there's something otherworldly about this group of people and what's happening here. It's not just their philosophy against my philosophy, their belief against my belief. It's a reality that I experience in that place that I don't experience anywhere else. And that's the reality of God. Amen? All right, so a place of encounter and also a place of equipping. So we want this place when we gather together to be a place that equips people practically to love God, to love others, to make disciples and to bring the reality of the kingdom to the world around us. So Ephesians 4.11 speaks of, and it uses this word equipping, um, where the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers were a gift from Jesus to the church to equip everyone essentially to live in the ways of Jesus. So my role here is not to do things on your behalf. It's my role isn't to disciple people for you. My role isn't to pray instead of you praying. My role is to help you. Any leader that's here that shares with you is to help you to live and to walk in the ways of Jesus. So again, as I speak of having leaders, leaders aren't up here to do the work on your behalf. They're here to show you this is how you do the work. And again, when somebody comes in, they're a brand new Christian, they meet Jesus, the expectation isn't, okay, you're going to go out and do everything all in one go. In the same way, like a child, you know, we, our children are, are growing and being raised and slowly we start to give responsibility to them, but we don't just send them off, hey, just go and, can you just go and do this task? You, you can do that sometimes um, and it doesn't always go well. Did I tell the story on Christmas Day about driving the car into the garage. I may have done, maybe it was somewhere else, but 
It was a time, so my mum and dad are over there, uh, but my mum had come home, she'd done the food shopping, she'd parked half into our garage and uh, we'd unloaded the shopping and then I'd said, oh mum, can I, I must have been 15, 14, 15 at the time, can I drive the car literally a few metres forward into the garage so we could close the door? And she's like, sure. In her mind thinking, oh, he must know, surely like he knows enough of the basics of how to drive. You know, like we'd driven my dad's four-wheel drive on the beach and things like that. So she goes out the back to, uh, to water the garden. I hop in the car and I know some of the basics. I'm like, A, B, C, accelerator bike. I know you've got to put the clutch in, do that. So I start up the car, put the clutch in, put it in gear. And I'm like, and then I know you've got to like give it some accelerator and then take the foot off the clutch. And so I put my foot flat on the accelerator and took my foot straight off the clutch and uh, both wheels, start squealing and I fly into the garage, slam on the brakes again, which then good. Luckily, I didn't drive. I mean, I literally could have dro- driven into our swimming pool. Uh, I didn't do that. I didn't run over my mother. Um, but I, so I stopped in time. And I just, I still remember in my head, like her, there's a wall there and her, <laughs> like sticking out, like, what are you, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know what I'm really doing. And so, so, you know, again, I'm sure if she'd known, she would have gone, okay, let me show you how to, to do this so it's a bit safer. Um, but there is something of, of learning and growing so that you're raised in that, you're shown how to do something. When Jesus talks about in the Great Commission, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And again, we do lots of teaching in the church, but oftentimes we don't teach people to obey something. We don't show them, and this is how you actually go and do it. So we get full of information, but it doesn't necessarily relate to transformation of us or the world around us. So again, it's being equipped in the ways of Jesus, not just learning the Bible. You can learn the Bible from back to front, and it won't necessarily do you any good. But potentially, it'll do you bad. Because I know some people who really, really know their Bible and they don't necessarily look a lot like Jesus. Jesus himself confronted the religious leaders of his time. I was saying, you guys, you know the scriptures back to front and yet you miss me in the midst of them. You've just missed it. You know all of it. Like they would have memorized more Bible than we ever probably will in our entire lives. So they knew, their, they knew the Old Testament and yet they missed Jesus in the midst of it. We can do the same thing. We can memorize scripture. We can know the Bible back to front. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying if it's not then translating to living it out, there's something missing there. Jesus even says, if you hear my words and you don't obey them, you're a foolish builder. If you hear my words and you obey them, you're a wise builder. We want this to be a place of wise builders. Yeah, we want you to be wise builders in your life, that you would hear and obey. And that's on us to teach you, and it's on you to receive and to go and walk that out. So again, we equip through teaching and training, through what we share from the front, but we also equip through people encountering God in a greater measure. So the expectation is that you get equipped when you walk in the door, as to how you can relate to people, how you can make people feel welcome. You get equipped as we worship together. You get equipped as you pray for one another, as you receive from teaching, as you fellowship afterwards, and you get to practice sharing the good news of Jesus like this. So many different ways. So again, I would encourage you, 
when you come into the worship time, even in that moment, say, God, what are you teaching me in this moment? How are you equipping me in this moment? It might be you're just being equipped to sense the presence of God, to sense God moving in you, stirring in you, giving you a word for somebody else. So in everything that we do when we gather together on a Sunday, there's opportunity for equipping. And that might be learning even to steward the grace of God, as I said, hearing the voice of God. If God gives you something to do, he gives you a grace, he empowers you to do it, but you've got to steward that grace. Who would love to to have uh, an experience where every single person that you prayed for got physically healed? Who'd love that? Yeah, some of you wouldn't, that's cool. Understand, it's Sunday morning. I can't put my arm up. Uh, we'd all love that. But then but how many of us pray for every single sick person that we see? Well, we don't. Probably because we think, oh, well, it, it might not work or it often doesn't work or it probably won't work or I'll feel embarrassed or they might reject me or whatever it might. There might be a multitude of reasons as to why we don't do that. But again, we'll never grow in the awareness of God's grace upon us for healing if we're never actually stepping out and practicing and finding and knowing that flow and knowing, oh, that's a prompting of God to do something. Like that's how Holy Spirit works. It's not often going to be an audible voice in your ear telling you to do something. It's a prompting, it's an awareness. It's in your imagination, it might come through a dream. It's a whole lot of ways that God speaks to you But he can speak to you in a multitude of ways. If you're not listening and willing to obey, you'll never actually know whether or not it's the voice of God. So again, we have to be not just equipped in receiving and understanding, but actually then walking in those ways. Amen? All right. And the third E is engagement. And this is the sending aspect. This is the apostolic aspect of what we do. So it's helping people to engage with Holy Spirit in their everyday lives, to see transformation of people, families, neighborhoods, and nations. This is where the city and the region is gonna be transformed by you carrying the mandate of God that is upon your life and us as a community empowering, encouraging, supporting one another to go and live in those ways. So this is through our life hubs. This is through what we do in prayer. This is what we do on a Sunday. It's every one of us in relationship with one another, encouraging, supporting, equipping, and sending out to engage with the mission that God has for us in the world. Amen. So it's not just equipping you with the tools. It's like, here's a screwdriver. It's use it to tighten and loosen screws or whatever. I still remember my first, I did my apprenticeship as an electrician. And uh, one of the first units you do when you go to TAFE for some of the, the kind of theoretical training is it's like a hand tools training. Uh, and it's literally like, here's a picture of a screwdriver. And you had to name it right underneath, screwdriver. Now again, I'm not saying that it's not beneficial for some people, but... I'd gotten to the age and I'd chosen to go into a trade because I had some idea of what a screwdriver was and what a saw was, you know. I could name those bases, but I'm sure there was probably people in my class who were like, oh, wow, this is really beneficial. Uh, But again, knowing what those tools are, knowing their names, being able to identify them, that's great, that's fantastic. But it's actually when you're on the job site and knowing how to use those tools is actually what, determines the effectiveness of what you build, what you produce on the other side of it. 
someone can hand you a saw. If you don't know how to line up the saw well, start your cut off well, you know, all of those things, there's little intricate aspects to doing that that is going to determine how well you do that job. Again, I've got kids and they're wonderful, but if, if for me to build something and for them to build the same thing, it's going to look different. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's just because that's years of me using those tools over and over and over again and getting familiar with them. So again, it's, it's about the engagement of actually taking that equipping and applying that in life. And we want to be doing that with you. So it's not just equipping you with the tools, but helping you to know practically how to use them in everyday life. It's about what happens on a Monday, not just on a Sunday. So what happens on a Sunday is really important, but it's most important if it's actually impacting what happens on a Monday. We don't want to train you to be good Sunday Christians. We don't want to train you to know how to do Sunday activities really, really well. We want to train you to, how do I live for Jesus on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? Because that's where you will spend the majority of your time. It's about engaging with God's mission in our everyday lives to bring His kingdom to earth. God wants His kingdom to be known. God wants people to come into his kingdom. God wants our community, our neighborhood, our cities transformed to look more like his kingdom. But it only comes through us engaging with God in that process. And it's also engaging others in the journey of discipleship to Jesus. This is what we've been learning in the Beat series, is just practical ways. And we've got a lot more good stuff to share with you. But it's also engaging others in that process, inviting others to follow Jesus and to become disciples of His. The work is for us to do. It's not for the church to do, for the leadership of the church to do. It's not for somebody else to do. It's for you to do. The work of making disciples is every person's responsibility. Amen? That's good. So uh, we're going to continue on this year. Uh, continuing with the Beat series. And again, within that, we're going to equip you how to share the gospel, how to share the good news of Jesus. You might be saying, I love Jesus. Yes, I want to see other people meet Jesus. Um, but when it comes in, um, to have that conversation with someone face to face, if they were to ask me, Brad, tell me, tell me more, what's Christianity all about? You might go, I wouldn't know where to start. I'd be stumped. Oh, because there's so much. Well, there's like... God, and there's like a, a cross and then and there's like a, a spirit, like a dove thing uh, comes down and then there's like, uh, like uh, you know, prophecy and things. And then, yeah, just go on a Sunday and they'll teach you everything. You know? No, that's not what we want. We want you to be equipped to know, well, what are some of those basic things that if I was to explain what the whole premise of God's in, engagement with the world is like, that I have some tools to be able to do that. It doesn't have to be kind of, rigid or reading off a script or something like that, but we should all be able to, and I mean, the Bible tells us to, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus. So if, we don't, if we're not ready, then it's also probably going to diminish our confidence to even share and to even reach out because I wouldn't know what to do. And that's sharing the gospel. That's one aspect. And then if somebody says, yes, I want to follow Jesus, like, oh no. I wasn't prepared for that. It will happen. Trust me, it'll happen. And then you've got to go, so now what do I do with them? Okay, uh, read your Bible, pray, come along on Sunday. 
done. Oh, yes. No, no, no. It's, that's not discipleship. That's, that's handing somebody over to figure it out on their own. And again, I'm sorry if that was your experience, but discipleship according to the way that Jesus did it was, okay, I'm going to journey with you now. We might journey for a short season, a long season, but I'm actually going to teach you now, what are some of the bases as to how now do I follow Jesus? How do I live in his kingdom? How do I, how do, I do this, this kind of new way of life in the kingdom of God? We're going to teach you how to do that. We're going to continue to equip you how yourself can grow in your intimate connection and engagement with God. We're going to continue to teach you how to grow in the likeness of Jesus, how to be transformed into uh, wholeness and healing. So again, everything that we're doing, we're not doing anything different, but we're taking that and continuing that intentionality of what we're doing. Even when it comes to just shifting up this gathering space, new time, new year, new season, um, but we're wanting to make space for people because I have an expectation that this community is going to grow. It, it, It can't not grow if we're all making disciples and living on mission. It can't not grow if God begins to manifest himself in this place. And again, I'm okay if people who are already followers of Jesus come along and and engage with him here. That's fine. I'm less interested in that though. I'm more interested in those who, the multitudes of people, that ripe harvest that Jesus speaks about, that isn't being harvested because the workers aren't out there in the harvest field sharing the gospel, inviting people into following Jesus. Jesus will always be our primary focus. It's it's why we're here. It's who and why we worship. It's the one we're being equipped to be like. It's the one, he's the one whose kingdom we desire to see on earth. So it's all about Jesus and it'll always be about him and what he's doing. But I do believe that we're coming into a season of harvest. We're making space for growth. And that some of that harvest is going to come even as through the launching of Lilia Haven this year. It's opening in a few months' time. It's exciting, but the continued growth of the transformation. So we're going to see a bunch of women who are going to get healed and restored and transformed on this site, in this property, and inevitably are going to come and become followers of Jesus. And they're going to need people like you to disciple them to show them the ways of Jesus, to continue on that process into healing and wholeness. We're excited about what God is doing in the crew over at our other uh, campus in Rockingham. So more expansion there, more growth. We need more people serving and reaching out and connecting. We've got, you know, 70 odd volunteers and a lot of them, even the volunteers who are doing the work of Jesus, don't know Jesus. And we want them to know Jesus And they're going to know Jesus through you introducing them to Jesus. I know that's a radical concept. Wow, A plus B equals C. It is that simple. Uh, But we're excited for what God is doing in that space. We're excited for more prayer ministry training, for more healed hearts. Again, continuing expansion and growth in that. We're excited about this being a place of prayer, a place of intimate engagement with God, but also intercession and expansion and carrying the region in prayer, which is a mandate that God has given to us. He's spoken to me about this church carrying a regional mandate. 
Even I've been having conversations uh, just last week with someone about what God is doing in Fremantle. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a move of God that's being established, but there is like hardcore spiritual principality opposition to any work of God in that place. I'm like, well, God's taught us some stuff as a community. What do you have for us to help to carry the work that you're doing even in Fremantle, Lord, in the spirit? So there is a great thing going on. But we're inviting you to take part in what God is doing in this church. We all have a calling. We all have a mission. We all have a sphere of influence that exists wherever we are, in our workplace, in our home, in our neighbourhood. But there is also a calling upon this church to impact this southern region. So we live in this place. Well, I've got this mission that God's called me on out there, but there is also something that God is doing in my family, in my spiritual family here. So how am I gonna set apart my time and my energy and my prayer and my effort to support what God is doing and engage with what God is doing here and also out there? I just want you to prayerfully consider that. And I think we need to, maybe for some of us, maybe you're already there, but I wonder whether we need to increase our expectation for what God is gonna do this year. And again, it's, it's natural sometimes when we have years or seasons where we haven't seen the breakthrough that we've desired, but have we then limited our expectation? And the thing is, when you step into expectation, you also step into dependency. Because if I'm expecting God to do more than what I might even be thinking about doing, then I have to step into that place of dependency upon Him. Because only He can make those things happen. And as I was pondering this thing, this yesterday about dependency, it's like, well, how do I know I'm in the place of dependency? And, uh, and as I thought about the word, it's like, well, I'm going to discover whether I'm in the place of dependency when I jump into the deep end and see. If I'm staying in the shallow waters with my feet on the ground in the, in the swimming pool, I'm in the shallow, now am I swimming? I can lift my feet up. I'm swimming, but I know I can always stand up straight and put my feet down and I'm secure. But it's only when I'm in the deep end, when my feet can't touch the ground that I'm in that place of like, well, Lord, if you don't come and meet me in that place, I'm gonna drown, I'm gonna go under. But I felt like God was saying, if you wanna be in the place of dependency, then jump into the deep end and see me come through. Jump into the deep end and see my provision. Jump into the deep end and see my healing. Jump into the deep end and see my breakthrough that I have for you. Jump into the deep end and see if your friend would actually respond positively when you share the gospel with them. But you have to jump into the deep end and see. Amen? All right, let's pray. Why don't you stand with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this new season, God. We thank you for this new season. Why don't you just stretch out your hand and Lord, we just say we receive what you have for us, God. We receive what you have for us, Lord. But Father, we thank you for even bigger hands, Lord, that you would increase our capacity to engage with what you're doing. You'll increase our sight, You'll, you'll increase our dependency upon you, Lord. Father, would you re-envision us for what you have in store for us personally, for us corporately as a church in this year? 
We thank you for this year, Lord. We thank you for a year of grace. We thank you for a year of breakthrough. We thank you for a year of expansion. We agree, Lord. We thank you for a year of harvest, God. We thank you for souls coming into the kingdom, Lord, for disciples being made, for maturing, Lord. We thank you for a breakthrough in Lilia Haven, Father. We thank you for the women that will come and will be transformed through your hand at work through this ministry, Lord. We thank You for the crew, Lord. We thank You for more outreach connection, Lord. We thank You for more volunteers being saved, God. We thank You for more people, more workers in that harvest field, Lord. Just loving and blessing the guests, Father. We thank You for, a, I just pray, Lord, a breakout, a supernatural breakout in that place, Lord. Healing, transformation, Father. We thank You for deliverance, Lord. We thank You for mental health being restored in Jesus' Name. Thank You, Jesus. Lord, would You give us ears to hear and eyes to see what You're doing and what You're gonna do this year and what You're calling us to be a part of, Lord. And Father, even though it may be scary, Lord, even though it may be a new place, God, we pray that You would help us to jump into the deep end and see Your hand move. Thank You, Jesus. We love You, we bless You in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen.